we're going to hand over to Luke Ryan, who's going to bring us our reading for this morning. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. Jesus teaching on prayer. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke, thank you so much for reading from Luke's Gospel. Uh, no coincidence there. Um, yeah, brilliant, mate. Thank you. Appreciate it. My name's Gareth. I am one of the ministers here in Orangefield, part of the staff team. And um, as we come to open up these words that, that Jesus gave to his disciples, his friends, and to us, let's, let's pray for a second. Let's be still. Father, we love your word. And we love your presence. And as we pause this morning at your feet, uh, almost picturing the disciples just gathered around you, our faces mingling with theirs, listening for your voice, that same voice that, that spoke stars into space. We recognize how, how unworthy and how broken and how sinful we are to come before a holy God. So Father, as we come this morning, we pray for forgiveness. Pour your spirit into our lives and sanctify us so that as we, as we spend time with your word before us this morning, you may shape our hearts and our character that we may become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been on this journey through this really famous prayer that Jesus gave to his friends called the Lord's Prayer, um, sometimes called the Our Father, um, a prayer we got taught when we were kids, many of us, we say daily, many of us, and yet sometimes familiarity breeds contempt, and so over the summer we're, we're 
just pausing and lingering in this prayer and learning from it afresh what it looks like to be a people who pray. And one of the core texts that we're using is, is a book called How to Pray by, by Pete Gregg, the director and the pioneer of the 24-7 prayer movement that's all over the world now. And, and in that book, he tells a story about him and his family on holiday, on vacation with another family. And they were on a catamaran on the Adriatic Sea off Croatia. It sounds pleasant, um, this deep into lockdown, doesn't it? But they were on the catamaran and they're sitting outside on the boat about to have dinner, you know, al fresco outside, beautiful. You could just picture it, couldn't you? The sound, the smells, the taste. And suddenly this swarm of midges start to just descend on them like a plague dark mist of these little vampire-like creatures, and they're chasing them away, and they're swatting them, and the realization that their dinner is getting ruined, and, and, and the dad of the other family stands up, and he says, let's pray, and he starts to rebuke the midges in Jesus' name. He, he prays, says, God, please get rid of these midges. They're going to ruin our holiday, they're, and, and all of the family join in, and Pete's family start to join in, and and Pete says, his own words, he's sitting there, and I can picture him, he's sitting there kind of with his arms folded, eyes closed, but one eye open, looking at what's going on, and just racked with doubt and objection as everybody else, you know, from, from kids to this dad are all praying and crying out for God to chase the midges away. And Pete says he's objecting to it for three reasons. One, he's objecting for theological reasons. God clearly doesn't answer prayers like this. You know, he's too busy looking after conflict in the Middle East and all kinds of stuff like that to be worrying about midges attacking dinner uh, on a boat in the Adriatic Sea. Second reason he objects is ecological. You know, midges are, are created by God and they clearly serve a purpose in the ecology, ecological system somewhere. Um, and, and God can't just chase them away because they're needed to be there. And then the third objection is pastoral. You know, Pete's sitting there thinking, what am I going to do when this dude says amen and nothing happens and my kids turn to me and say, Dad, does God not answer prayer? And all of a sudden they become atheists or Satanists or something crazy like that. And, and the family say amen. And like that, this gentle wind picks up and the midges start to just disappear in the wind. And Pete Gregg says, you know, to this day, I don't know if that was a minor miracle, an answer to prayer, or a meteorological fluke, or what it was. But I share that story. It's in his book. I share that story because I want to ask the question this morning, is it okay to pray for stuff like that? Is it okay to pray for midges to leave you alone when you're camping in the morning? Is it okay to pray for a parking space on a wet Thursday night outside Tesco's or wherever you choose to shop? Is it okay to pray for good weather for your wedding day or for um, just before you go into an exam for your GCSEs or A-levels? Is it okay to pray for, for food or for um, favor in your job or help with the project you're doing? Or is it okay to pray for personal stuff, for me, for you? This prayer that, that Jesus gives us, the Lord's Prayer, um, Jesus didn't just make it up from scratch. You know, most scholars believe that that has been pulled together from two different places. 
uh, in Israel's story in the liturgy of the people of God. Um, the, the, the first place, it's for part of the Kadesh, which was an ancient prayer that was being prayed by rabbis 2,000 years ago. Listen to this here. You know, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to the Kadesh. Magnified and hallowed be his great name in the world which he created according to his will. And may he establish his kingdom during your lifetime. Do, do you see the, the familiarity, the crossover, the similarities? Not exactly the same, but similar language. Jesus is clearly drawing from a prayer that he knows. And, and then the other place that he's drawing for the middle part of the prayer is from the story of Israel, um, from the liturgy of his own people, particularly around the Exodus. As God's people cried out for deliverance from from the Egyptians and from their evil gods, as they cried out for forgiveness again and again and again when they, when they built their golden calf and when they rebelled against God and then came back to him and cried out for forgiveness for them again and again and again. And, and for daily bread, for the manna that came from heaven in the wilderness, that bread that only lasted for one day, give us this day our daily bread. You can see how Jesus is picking up the themes of this prayer from the story of the Exodus and the Israelites. And then without losing any of the awe, any of the reverence, any of the majesty of, of, of these prayers, of these stories, Jesus personalizes them and pulls them together into the Lord's Prayer. And he says, when you pray, don't pray abstract, don't pray from a distance. Get up close and personal with God. Pray our Father, pray Abba, pray Dad, and then come to him and ask him for, for help for you and for your family. Give us this day our daily bread. Don't be scared to ask him for your needs. And so within the prayer, we see petition and we see intercession. Intercession is praying for other people. We're going to talk about that next week. Petition is praying for ourselves. And when Luke not our Luke, Luke who wrote the gospel, uh, when he pulled this text all together, when he was writing his gospel, he, he followed the Lord's Prayer, the teaching of the Lord's Prayer up with, with a parable and an explanation. The parable is a story of a guy in a village um, somewhere in the Middle East who a, a friend of his came and called at his house late at night and, and hospitality was the highest form of grace back then. And he wanted to provide a meal for this friend who called at his house, but he had no food. So he went to his neighbor's house at midnight. He banged on the door. He said, he said dude, get up. Get up. I need your help. Get up. I, I, I need your help. I, I need some bread. I know you've got some in the house. A, a friend of mine's called. I need to look after him. Wake up. Wake up. And he's banging the door. And there's a million reasons why you don't answer the door at midnight. There's a million reasons. There's a million reasons why this guy shouldn't answer the door to his neighbors. You know, it was an inconvenience. In, in a Palestinian home back then, the whole family slept downstairs in one room for the dad to get up to answer the door and give this guy bread. But it meant waking the whole family and the kids up in the middle of the night. There's a million reasons why he shouldn't have done it. 
the sense of personal responsibility. This guy who has a guest arrive at his house, he should have been prepared. He should have had his own stuff together, his own life together. He should have had bread in the house anticipating that this could have happened. And yet, Luke says, of course, this man's going to get up. This neighbor, this good neighbor's going to get up and help him out. Of course he's going to help him out. Because that's the culture. That's what you did. That's what your character did. That's, that's what you did. He could depend on that. He could depend on him doing the right thing. And, and then he goes on to tell the story about, about parenting. He says, you know, who of you, if your, your kids asked for a fish, would, you know, would give him a snake? Or if your, your kid asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? Who would do that? Who would do that? You wouldn't. You would give good gifts. And he says, you know, neighbors know how to help and be kind and give good gifts. And parents know how to help and be kind and give good gifts. It's how much more, I love those words, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to, their ch- to his children when they ask? And in Luke's gospel particularly, he says, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give the Holy Spirit to his children when they ask? When they ask. George Muller was this um, uh, yeah, church leader, Christian guru at the very start of the 19th century. He, he did so much for, for impoverished children. He ran orphanages. He he, he, he fed and looked after and provided homes for over 10,000 kids who had no one to love them and look after them. He provided education for, I think it was over 120,000 kids who had no one to educate them. He was just such a pioneer. But this is an amazing story of one day, uh, all the orphans gathered in the dining hall of the building he had for, for breakfast, and there was no food. Like, literally, the, the cupboard was, it was Mother Hubbard, um, times a million. You know, the, the cupboard was bare. There was nothing in the cupboard. And, and George Muller, standing in front of all of these hungry kids, he says, we're going to say grace. Grace for what? There's no meal. There's no food. We're going to say grace. Heavenly Father, thank you for the meal that you have prepared for us today. Amen. And suddenly there was a knock at the door. And it was the baker down the street who said, you know, I've been up since two in the morning baking bread. I've got all this extra bread. Could you use it? Yeah. Yeah, we could use it. And, and then all of a sudden, there's another knock at the door and it's the guy with the milk cart. He says, listen, I've got my cart loaded with milk. The wheel's broken on the cart. Uh, can you use the milk? Because I can't deliver it. It's going to spoil. It's going to ruin. Can, can you use it? Yeah. I can Guys, we, we, we know, like all, all those kids were fed through a prayer of faith, asking for daily bread. Amazing story, absolutely amazing story. You can read about it in history books. Many of us say grace at our tables with our family before a meal. God, thank you for this food. But, but how many of us say the prayer, God, feed us today, provide food for us? Or are we so reliant on ourselves that we don't see God's hand in the provision of that meal? God, help us with our job, with our family. God, provide 
this for us. Bless us. Petition is asking God for our own needs. It's the most simple way to pray. And yet for many of us, it's the most difficult way to pray. We're so much more comfortable praying for other people than we are for ourselves. We object for all kinds of reasons. Let me share a few objections. We, we, some of us struggle with the idea of asking God, doesn't God already know our needs? If God knows everything all of the time and he's everywhere all of the time, doesn't God already know our needs? Why do we need to ask him for stuff that he knows what we already need? You ever think that? What's the purpose of it? The purpose is because God values relationship. Our, our interaction with God is about friendship, not function. God values relationship. He, he, is, he is relational. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He sent Jesus to earth to die on the cross to allow us to come into relationship with him. His heart is for relationship with his people. He's not just a sugar daddy in the sky who provides you know, good stuff. He's a heavenly father who wants relationship and interaction and conversation with his kids. Why do we ask? Because God values relationship and he values vulnerability and he values faith and he wants us to ask. And do you know what? If Jesus came onto the earth and had to ask God for stuff, then of course we have to ask. He already knows what we need, but he, he loves it when we ask. Some of us struggle with with not the asking, but, but the purpose of prayer for petition and intercession. Surely God's sovereign. God's in control. God's going to do whatever he wants. What is the point of me praying if God's already in control and doing all the stuff anyway? It's a fair question. Maybe it's your question. In the, the book of Exodus, when we see... Um, the Hebrew people in slavery for 400 years and God raises up Moses to come and rescue them and we get the story of the Exodus. What way is the story framed? God's invitation for Moses to help. God says, I have heard the prayers of my people and I am coming down to answer them. I have heard the cries of my people. Fast forward to the story of Jonah and God sends Jonah to Nineveh uh, with a really short sermon. 40 more days and Nineveh is going to be overturned. God's going to destroy the city. But the people of Nineveh, everybody from the greatest to least, they, they repent and they cry out to God and they say, sorry. And guess what? God hears their prayers and relents from sending disaster on the Ninevites. God hears their prayers. Go into the New Testament. Peter's in prison. And the, the, the church there, what they do is they have a prayer meeting. They pray that God will rescue Peter from prison. And the very night they're praying, an angel comes, busts Peter out of prison, and Peter walks into the middle of the prayer meeting as they've been praying for him to be released from prison. Here's a question just to, to play with your head a little bit. Do you believe those things would have happened if people hadn't prayed? Sorry if that ruins your Sunday lunch, but I think it's a really legitimate question because depending on where you land on the answer to that question depends on how much emphasis and priority you put on prayer. James, Jesus' brother in his book, James 4, chapter 2, says you don't have because you don't ask. Some of us struggle with prayer and daily bread prayer and petition prayer because we struggle 
with an understanding of God. We get that God is creator and majestic, and we get that he is judge and he is sovereign and all of those things. But, but do you believe what Luke tells us in Luke chapter 11, verse 3, that he is the good father who loves to give good gifts to his kids? Do you, do you believe that God is good at his very core? I think probably the, the biggest struggle most of us have is we struggle with ourselves. We get that God is good and we get that he's powerful and we get that he loves it when we ask, all of those things. But we think to ourselves, yeah, God's going to do that for him and for her and for, for that person because they're, they're holier than I am and they pray better than I pray and they do this better than, than I can do it and they're more faithful in their Christian walk. And, but, but not for me. God knows what my heart's like. God knows the, the mess of my life. He knows the mistakes I've made. He knows the, the things I do and, and, and keep doing that I shouldn't do. He knows the, the faults in my life. God's going to answer other people's prayers, but he's not going to answer my prayers. Do you ever feel like that? That God's just a little bit more interested in other people, that he loves other people? more than you. And I guess what I want to do, if that's you and you're listening today and that's where your head goes, I want to bring you to the cross, that place where Jesus, the Son of God, opened his arms and died and said, it is finished and paid the price for the sin of the world. And I want to ask the question, if you believe that, do you believe that Jesus did enough for you? Do you believe that his death was enough to cover your sin. Do you think you have to do more than that? I want to tell you, the Bible is really clear, that, that, that Jesus' death on the cross is all that we need. In that moment, he, he offers you forgiveness. He offers you hope. And as a child of God, you get to come into God's presence and talk to him like a child to a father and pray and ask. And you're no more worthy or unworthy than anybody else. All of us need grace. All of us stumble and fall. None of us are perfect. And in those moments when you feel that God is just a bit more interested in other people than you, I want to invite you to come to the cross and just look at Jesus there and see how much God loves you because he did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for you. Do you know whether it's, it's midges on a catamaran or before you go into the exam hall or sitting at a hospital bed or at the dinner table or with the project you have to do for work or for school, we get to ask God for our daily bread. And here's the truth. Here's the simple truth. Petition is the gateway to presence. When we look at our life and the stuff that we need and the stuff that we're struggling with, and we use that as a doorway to look to God and say, God, help. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're praying in the midst of your everyday routine that everyday tasks become liturgies of prayer. Petition is the gateway to encountering the presence of God in every moment of every day, turning your eyes to him in every situation. One author puts it like this, by filling our days with tiny prayers, we relinquish our sense of entitlement 
and receive each detail as a blessing, each coincidence as a minor miracle, training our neural pathways to rejoice always, to give thanks in all circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Friends, today, let me ask you, what do you need to ask God for? What do you need to come before him for? Give us this day our daily bread. The other thing I just want to pull out of this passage for a moment. You still with me? Check, I need to stand up, turn around. Is the sofa too comfortable? You okay? Good. Have another sip of coffee. There's one more thing I want to share with you. It's perseverance. I grew up in the 90s. I was born in 79, but, but really teenage years when I was growing up, it was the 90s, and everything was fast. Everything was fast. Music was fast. Techno music was, was being birthed in the 90s, and it was fast. Coffee was fast. Instant coffee, Nescafe. My granny did Mellow Birds. That's not really coffee. Um, but coffee was fast. McDonald's was exploding on every street corner. Food was fast. Microwaves were in every home. You could cook something that used to take three hours and 30 seconds in the microwave. Everything was fast. Even the colors seemed fast. Pastel colors weren't even invented back then, I don't think. Everything was fast in the 90s. And yet, as we moved through the noughties, that's what we call them, apparently. As we move through the noughties, it feels as if we're recapturing the beauty of slow. Slow cooking, allowing the flavors to marinate and the juices to move around the food. Slow coffee, grinding your own beans, allowing the coffee to drip, drip, drip slowly through the filter into, into the glass below and then drinking it out of cups with no handles. What is going on with that? But slow coffee, long, slow running. There's been an explosion in marathon running and ultramarathon running in the past 10 years. Slow, long endurance events. Even music feels like it's slowed down. Or is that just me? I don't know. There has been a, a rediscovery of the beauty of drip-fed marinating, persevering slowness. And I want to suggest that we need to rediscover this idea of slowness and perseverance in prayer as well. Not just in coffee, but in prayer as well. In the 1970s, a couple of Benedictine monks in France you know, asked, could they come over to, um, to Northern Ireland in the middle of the conflict you know, most young people were leaving Northern Ireland at that stage. They wanted to come into Northern Ireland to Newry to be a prayerful presence for peace. They believed God was calling them to come and to pray for peace in this country. And so they moved from France to Newry. And after a number of years in Newry, they were, they were given by a farmer a piece of land outside Ross Trevor where they built a monastery. And to this day, they continue to gather several times during the day to pray and to pray for peace here in Northern Ireland. Because we have our devolved government and we have um, DUP and Sinn Féin and other parties coming together in a power-sharing agreement, but, but we also know that, that, that we're not still not where we need to be and there's more work to be done and there's still division in hearts and division in society. And so for 50 years, those monks have been joining with with other Christians here in Northern Ireland praying and crying out for peace in our country for 50 years. 
My mom, I've told this story before, my mom became a Christian when I was nine or 10 years old. She, she prayed for, a, I think, probably 15 years before our whole family became Christians, praying faithfully every day for five, 10, 15 years before she saw the answers to those prayers. When Jesus gives us these words and tells these stories after he, he shares the Lord's prayer with, with his disciples, he, he says to them, he says, that, that neighbor who goes to his friend at midnight and knocks the door and knocks the door, he, he doesn't just knock once, but he perseveres with his knocking as the perseverance that is honored, the sheer audacity of knocking again and again and again on the door. He goes on to say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And the, the Greek tense that he uses for the, these three words is continuous perfect tense. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't give up after the first time. N.T. Wright says, Jesus is encouraging a kind of holy boldness, a sharp knocking at the door of heaven, an instant asking, sorry, an insistent asking, a search that refuses to give up. There is a battle on, a fight with the powers of darkness, and those who have glimpsed the light are called to struggle in prayer for peace, for reconciliation, for wisdom, for a thousand things for the world and the church, and perhaps a hundred things um, for one's own family and friends, and perhaps a dozen things for one's own self. I love that quote. Jesus is encouraging a kind of holy boldness. You see, sometimes, friends, when we pray, our prayers get answered, and it's, it's almost miraculous. And sometimes it is miraculous. It's amazing to see answered prayer in real time. It's, it's such a privilege. It's wonderful. And we give God all the glory for that. But sometimes the prayers that I pray and the prayers that you pray and the prayers that you have prayed in the past haven't been answered. They're unanswered prayers. And sometimes that means that God's saying no. And we have to trust that. It's, it's a real test of faith when God says no to say, do we believe that God is good? Do we believe that his plans over us are perfect? Do we believe that, that maybe, just maybe, he's doing something that we can't see? And even though it's excruciatingly painful for us, we, we trust in his goodness. Because sometimes he does say no to things that we ask because he sees things that we don't. But sometimes unanswered prayer isn't no. Sometimes unanswered prayer means wait. And the mistake that we make is we stop praying. When God says wait, we get fatigued and we stop praying that prayer. I wonder if you've done that. And I guess I want to ask the question, who told you to stop praying it? Is the prayer that you're praying unbiblical? Or is there a biblical precedent for, for asking what you're asking for? Is it, in the, is it consistent with what we see in Scripture? Is, is the prayer that you're praying consistent with Jesus' character and his purpose and mission? Have you had a, a, revel, a specific revelation from the Holy Spirit to stop praying that prayer? Because maybe 
Wait isn't no. Maybe wait is an invitation into perseverance. Maybe wait is an invitation to wrestle with God and to ask and keep asking and seek and keep seeking and knock and, and keep knocking like Jacob of old who, who had the encounter with the angel who, who wrestled with the angel. The angel said, let me go. And Jacob said, no, I'll not let you go until you bless me. And he wrestled with the angel all night long, breaking sweat, struggling in prayer with the angel. Bless me. I'm not stopping till you bless me. Bless me. I'm not stopping till you bless me. What? if wait is an invitation into a deeper walk and a deeper encounter and a deeper experience with God. I, I don't think it's disrespectful. I think it's, it's God's desire that we bloody our knuckles in the door of heaven, that we linger before his throne in prayer, that we learn what it is to pray on our knees with tears in our eyes and cry out again and again and again. And guess what? It's okay to pray for stuff for yourself. It's okay to pray, give us this day our daily bread. God, this is what I need. And I believe that every good and perfect thing comes from you. God, this is what I need. It's okay to pray for yourself. It's okay to pray for your family, for the relationships in your family. It's okay to pray for your kids to get saved. It's okay to pray God's blessing on your marriage. It's okay to pray for help with the reconciliation and the forgiveness that you need to ask for and you need to offer. It's okay to pray for those things. It's okay to pray for our church, to pray for unity and to pray for love and to pray for salvation. It's okay to pray for, for growth. It's okay to pray for God's kingdom to come in this place. And it's okay to pray for our city and to pray for awakening and to pray for revival and to pray for every home in this city to be tuning into a church service this morning and to be hearing the name of Jesus lifted up and to be told that he is the only way that they can be saved. It's okay to pray this prayer and if it's not answered the first time, guess what? It's okay to pray it again and again and again and again and again. Friends, my question, my question is what prayers have you stopped praying? What prayers have you asked for a while and then, do you know what, you just got tired or brokenhearted and stopped asking them? Ask and seek and knock and it's not that God's always going to say yes, but you can trust that he is good. You can trust that he is perfect. We have been finishing this, each of these teachings on prayer with, with a little bit of practical homework, um, some practical advice. And, and what I want to give you today is just a, if you want to get better at praying for daily bread, at praying petition prayers, at praying intercession prayers, one of the things you need to do is be able to maintain a prayer list. This is not something that you're, you're going to do and grow in if you just do it as and when. No matter how um, organized you are or how scatterbrained you are, whatever your left brain or right brain, if you want to grow in prayer, then it helps to be able to organize your prayer life a little bit. And, and one of the ways to do that is with um, a prayer list. There's two ways you can do this. There's probably more than that, but two simple ways. You can either grab a journal or a book and, and just write down in it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, and create space beside each one of what you're going to pray for that day. 
Or, or you can use an app on your phone. I, I, I use an app called Inner Room. Inner Room. And it allows you to break up daily prayers and daily prayer topics. It's really effective. It's free, which is always a winner for me. Um, but to break down your prayers for petition and intercession into a daily rhythm and routine. And ask yourself each day, you know, what do I want to pray for myself? What do I want to pray for my family? Who do I want to pray for in my family? For my church? For my work? Who do I want to pray will get saved, will become a Christian? What leaders do I want to pray for in, in church and in the city and in the country? How do I pray for my city? And, and, and who do I want to pray for in mission? Self, family, church, work, salvation, leaders, city, and mission. And what I do is I, I, I list one thing beside each of those every day. Different thing every day. And every Monday, I pray for my wife, Lara. And every Tuesday, I pray for my daughter, Karis. And every Wednesday, I pray. You get the idea. And over weeks and months and years, you grow in how you pray. Let me pray for you now. Father, thank you that whether it's whispered by a hospital bed or it's borrowed from the words of the saints of the past, whether it's said under our breath as we walk through Orangefield Park as the sun rises, or it's sitting at the kitchen table with our prayer journal out making notes of what we're praying for. Father, thank you that you hear every prayer and you love them. Thank you that that, that you love it when we come to you, God. Help us to grasp that, that you want to spend time with us more than we want to spend time with you. Thank you that your ears are always open. And thank you, Lord, that your plans for us are perfect, even when we can't see it. Help us to trust in your goodness. As we've been praying throughout this series, God, I pray this morning especially that there will be an anointing, a gifting in prayer given to your people as they listen this morning, as they read your words this morning. That prayer will come easier, that our desire for prayer will be more than our desire for Netflix. And open the hearts of your people and and mold our hearts, Lord, that we may learn to pray your words and your promises and your will in our lives and in our family and our work and our church and our city. Because as we ask for our daily bread, Lord, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. And for anyone Lord, today, who who doesn't know you and wants to take that step into friendship with you, that, that wants to be forgiven, that wants to know that promise of eternal life. If you're at home today and you're listening and you want to become a Christian today, pray, it's really simple, just pray these words with me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. 
I believe you died on the cross for the sins of the world and on the third day you rose again. I am sorry for the sin and the brokenness and the mess in my life. I need your help. I need your forgiveness and I turn to you now. Put your Holy Spirit in my heart and make me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.